Hey everybody, this is Taylor from Game Devs Quest with this week's quick tip. If you're like me, game development is really just a hobby at this point. But if you're looking to get into a tech job and don't have a lot of experience, I highly recommend checking out Free Code Camp or The Odin Project. Both of these websites you can find by going to freecodecamp.com or theodinproject.com. Both of these services are free and they teach you how to become a web developer starting from HTML, CSS, and JavaScript on upwards through learning more advanced topics like Ruby on Rails, Node.js, etc. According to the websites, by the end of the full track, you should be well prepared to become a web developer. And web developers, as you may know, make a ton of money. A ton of money means you can fund your game. Good luck, everybody. Awesome. Awesome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast following two scrubs. Uh, into game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And following that trend, we're hot in this this week. Um, we're inviting more and more awesome guests onto the show to talk about their experience in game dev and coding and all sorts of things. So uh, please welcome to the show, Dr. Argus, friend on the Discord and all that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. What up, Doc? What's up? <laughs> hey. Hey, also, you know what I just remembered? Yes. Dr. Say Argus it. used to have a radio show, so he's used to this. <laughs> yes. Way back in the day, yes. I just, seeing you talk through that pop filter, I was like, oh, dude, this guy is totally a disc jockey. <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm a poser. He's actually even, like, mounted his mic the correct way. Like, so many people would do it backwards. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, thank you for, for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, fellow Oregonian. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I hope you don't mind us sharing that little tidbit that you're you're no, a fellow not. Oregonian. Yeah, other than Rhett, you're the only person in the GDQ community who I've met in real life. So, it's yeah. pretty cool. Well, there you go. See? Privileged. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We are the privileged few. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Um, for those of you guys who don't know Dr. Argus, um, well, actually, Dr. Argus, why don't you say a little bit about yourself, how you got into game dev, what you're uh, working on, what you're up to, all that good Where stuff. you were born, social security <laughs> number, credit card. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a lot of people will know me from Discord and from you know being in Twitch and things like that. I, I chat up a lot. But uh, I'm sort of the resident old guy. Uh, Manbeard Games and I sound like we're of similar vintage. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I've been been computing since what about 1983. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I got into com- into you know programming in general just because I wanted to make games. And um, actually, I have a binder. It's not within arm's reach, so I can show you guys. But I have. It's about four inches thick, maybe three. And, um, it has all of my sort of ideas that I sketched out when I was a kid and I still have it. So it's pretty cool. So yeah, for the longest time I I was a, just a 
programmer in, you know, sort of business world. But uh, about two years ago now, I did the Ludum Dare and mm-hmm. like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then uh, early 2017, I decided to kind of make it a little more concerted effort and uh, learn more game dev, started doing more streaming on Twitch and those kinds of things. So uh, I still have a long way to go, but um, I just enjoy being part of the community. Yeah, that's awesome. It's always like, it's always cool hearing when people started like way back in the day. Like I you, know. <laughs> you started before we were born. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not to make you feel old, but uh, nope. it's it's so cool though because like that's when it all started. That's when like mainstream computing was happening. So it's like yep. you were in in that age when like there were real wizards of code. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's, so. it's I really enjoyed telling the story because uh, it was I had a paper out like so many kids did back then. <laughs> Nowadays, kids don't do really do that, I don't think. But um, yeah. but I had paper out, and I had some money, and I had an aunt who worked in Silicon Valley, and I was over there visiting one day. And my other sort of great interest was being in a band. So I was like, you think I should buy a computer or a guitar? And she said, buy a computer. And here we are. <laughs> nice. And so nice. I never did, never did really join a band, but uh, or learn how to play, play the guitar. But I learned how to do some computer stuff. So that's awesome. So what was like your first machine? Do you remember the specs that you had on oh, it? Of course, yeah. First, <laughs> oh, no. first machine was the Timex Sinclair One Thousand. Whoa! And if you Google it, you will be unimpressed. It's, <laughs> um, it was a single piece of plastic, and probably i don't know maybe eight ten inches across maybe it was was square it plugged into a television it only did black and white um and it had 2k of memory (laughs) (laughs) wow that's awesome yeah the keyboard was was a membrane it wasn't actual keys it was just rubber with <laughs> shapes for keys and so no real action when you pushed it wow um, and so, yeah so i filled so like, up that 2k with the program for sure <laughs> yeah. what was like the your favorite thing that you did on that thing it seems like you couldn't do much but i mean i guess that was the time well for what i knew had to do uh, what i knew how to do at that time I mean, I didn't know anything, so (laughs) whatever I could do was going to be awesome. So, of course, the first thing I did was make uh, a war game and uh, in basic. So, in fact, I still have that program written on paper in my binder. Wow. Yes. (laughs) So, So, as a hoarder, I have to ask, like, whatever happened to that machine? Um, (laughs) I think it actually stopped working at some point. Um, Oh, yeah. But, you know, like so many things, when you move out of the parents' home, stuff disappears. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, see, the reason I ask is because, so I see one on eBay for $250, and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, wonder- I'm wondering if we you got to... You can harken uh, back to the days of old. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't recommend it. <laughs> First of all, just getting it to connect to a television would be a challenge, because... <laughs> Most t- TVs don't have the kind of connection it used. So. Right. Man, mm. 
That's cool. So did you get like like how did you get um other types of media on that machine? It wasn't floppy disks at that time, was it? Was it cassette? Or Well, that particular machine had no media. Oh. When I turned it off, it was done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like yeah. you couldn't you couldn't really get other games or programs no, that weren't already that on it mm-hmm. no wow. okay. it was a it was a glorified calculator basically okay that yeah. okay that was like my original question i guess was like what types of what was your favorite thing to do on it but i guess it was mostly a programming machine yeah that's all okay. you could do yeah wow. that's huh. cool though that is cool my first computer was a dos computer i don't know what it had in it but it was definitely i remember when i was first getting interested in computers like the Pentium line was starting to come out for processors. So I'd always see Pentiums in the newspaper. Like I'd look through all like the Best Buy magazines or and yeah. Circuit City and I like circle all these computers that I wanted. <laughs> but, I did that uh, with the Radio Shack catalog. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah. Seriously. Yep. Every time a new catalog came out, I'd go get one and I'd make this big long shopping list of my dream computer. Mm-hmm. You know, some model of Trash 80. <laughs> you know, yeah. I had, uh, you know, the acoustic coupler, which was what, you know, they used in the movie War Games to connect. They had to set a phone on top of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had uh, all of that. And by had, I mean on my list, yeah. not in my possession. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. That was probably pretty expensive to get that kind of stuff back it then, was. I bet. Yeah. yeah. How much did that how much did the uh Timex Sinclair cost you? I think it was only I want to say maybe 150 or something like that. I didn't have oh. a ton of money. Um you know, my paper route was I think 100 bucks a month and I bought lots of candy and junk like oh, that, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, uh yeah, so I probably didn't have more than 2 months saved up. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice <laughs> that's hard for a kid yeah oh yeah <laughs> it, was, man. it was tough yeah so out of those games that you like um designed as a kid did you ever make like did you ever make any that were you felt were complete or like did have you gone back since and been like oh that was a cool idea and, and try to make it in unity or something um i haven't yet so most of the things that i created were um i guess rpg type games yeah and so a lot of them were modeled after like D and stuff like that so i made all of the sort of paper assets to play it so i had maps and you know sort of equipment lists and different things like that um for the most part i would say they never turned into an actual video game they got started right but never finished <laughs> um and so but I had so this is a this is a good story. <laughs> Disclaimer for all the kids who are still in school: don't do this. <laughs> but so in most high schools, you know, there's some sort of senior project now. And for mine, I did it on text-based adventure games, and um, I basically had all of the stuff. Like here, I made a game, and this is the map, and whatever else. But I didn't actually have a game. I had the maps and I had all the other stuff and I wrote a great paper and I gave a great speech, but I had no actual game. So I <laughs> BS'd my way through it 
and came one point away from an A. Uh, <laughs> nice. Well, that's a Don't pretty good that. score without having the without having the game made. <laughs> yeah, it's because I had everything else and I talked so knowledgeably about the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> there was a there was somebody in my high school who programmed a rudimentary choose your own adventure on their graphing calculator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah that w- it probably had more memory than my Timex. <laughs> right, <laughs> right? <I> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you've come a long way because I've seen some of the stuff you've been working on, doing some AR stuff, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're working on right now? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. So uh, just a quick plug. I work for a company called Zeal, and we do software consulting. And so... Companies call us when they want something either created or updated or whatever. And obviously, AR, VR, all of that stuff is becoming more and more popular. And there's a lot of companies who are finding that AR can actually make them money, save them money, make their processes more um, safe and things like this. So, Zeal has asked me sort of to spearhead the research and development into how we might get involved in that. So I set myself up for a little, I don't know, a little accountability by signing up for a workshop at our Comic-Con in two weekends. So I have to make something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I've been um, putting together some little proofs of concept that I can, uh, you know, organize into some kind of presentation and, you know, take to the Comic-Con. But uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, the the neat thing about it is that both Apple and Google, as most of us already know, are putting out libraries that handle a lot of the, at least the hardware interface stuff for you. So it's just a matter of knowing how to use those libraries. And then Unity, of course, adopts both. And so if you can use Unity a little, you can plug one of these libraries in and it's actually not, I mean, I'm going to say it's not that hard, but it took me a while to make even a basic AR app. Yeah. That's so cool. I, the last thing you showed was a picture. Uh, it might have, was it a picture or real time? I can't remember, but it was basically you pointing at something and then like a pop-up of like a website or something where you can click click yeah. through, like add add something to the, your cart or whatever. Oh, right. like, what? Yeah, so that was... Real time, and it was uh, logo detection. So I pointed it at a shirt on a mannequin in this case, and the logo triggers the opening of uh, a Shopify store. So <laughs> it's, and by Shopify store, I mean it, uh, Unity contacts the Shopify API, and then you can render the store however you want. Right. It's just a matter of now you've got the data, you can put it on the screen in whatever form you want. Right. So that's what it does. That's cool. How how does it like recognize the logo? Or did you have to like preload in whatever it is? Like if you have the Nike swoosh or something, yeah, uh, you so, give Unity that Nike swoosh. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, it's actually a two step process. In my case, because I have an iPhone, I have to run it all through Xcode. Right. And so um, in Unity, basically, there's this kind of object that you say, "Here's the." target we want you to recognize and here's the prefab we want you to pop when that when you see it and so you create those connections in unity and then in xcode you actually have to go in and put in the um, height and width of every logo that you want to recognize 
Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So it, if you were to do that for like a bunch of brands, would you have to manually put in every single one? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be so a lot what, of work, I guess. So like if you just did like one brand, taking the Nike example, like how much work would that go into, let's say, it recognizes a Nike symbol no matter where that Nike symbol is? Like well, a billboard versus a shoe versus... Yeah. It's interesting because in Xcode, I have two logos right now. Both are Zeal logos. And one of them is much larger than the other by almost two times. But even though I put those dimensions in, Xcode still says these are basically the same logo. Mm. So okay, I haven't really tested it yet to see if it actually identifies both. Um, well, I mean, it, it does. But like... I haven't tried a logo that wasn't one of the sizes I defined. Right. Right. Gotcha. Huh. Yeah, there's some interesting questions in there because now you got me thinking like like Rhett's billboard example. Like how how many times magnification does it take for it to recognize it or whatever? You know? Well, it, I mean, if... So basically the way that it works is that when you point your camera at anything with an AR app, mm-hmm. it's essentially taking a photo super fast and then analyzing the photos right. and determining what's in the photo. So as long as your camera can get a decent understanding of what it's looking at and how far away from it you are, mm-hmm. it should be able to figure that out. Wow. Um, mm. How far from how far away though is going to be tough with a billboard. Yeah, that's right. tricky. Wow. See, oh man, AR <laughs> is so exciting. Like, you know, I used to think, and me and Taylor have done an episode on AR and VR AR and, and all VR, this sort yeah. of stuff. And man, though, there's just something about <laughs> AR. When me and Taylor were in Japan, you know, and this is such a basic example, and obviously it's got the weight of Google behind it, but you pull up your little Google Translate app and yeah. you point it at the Japanese characters and it goes, ah, oh, yes. This is the butt cleaning button on the toilet. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just uh, amazing yeah, someone... how well it worked. And even if it wasn't 100% accurate, which it never was always 100% accurate, it, yeah. it always gave you enough information to, like, make a pretty informed choice. Right. I can't wait to have something like that for, you know, like, and I use this example every time, guys. So, <laughs> listener, forgive me for, for this one, but, you know, it's like, oh, crap, my car broke down on the side of the road. What do I got to do? And you just, you know, you're looking there, you're looking, it's like, okay, oh, th- there it is. Okay. And then you, did, like, can bring up the blueprints, and it's like, here's a step-by-step guide, and it's like, arrow pointing down here, like, <laughs> undo this yeah. bolt, you know, or whatever. It'll literally be like right. Job Simulator, but in real life after that. Oh, my God, <laughs> yes. There's actually... um Related to that, there are already companies who are equipping their service people with headsets Mm -hmm. that um, basically they can look at, like you just said, they can look at a motor or whatever, and and they also have an eyepiece, so it can display some information to them, but also they can patch it into another person somewhere else. Who maybe knows something else? Who can look at that and go, "Oh yeah, it's the flywheel, blah blah blah." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you almost start to, you're almost able to start putting people who are far less qualified, right? Because all they got to do is wear the headset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's a good uh, like service, I guess, for somebody. They yeah. buy they buy that headset 
and then they get 24 yeah. 7 access to like you know some automotive company yeah. and then you get on the right. phone with them and then they look at what you're you're seeing oh that or it's just crazy. like it's yeah. like a universal thing like right you just have the little headset and then you subscribe to the services that you want right so you have yeah. like the automotive service then you have the cooking service or <laughs> yep. you've got the like you know i don't know one of my favorite AR apps, I, I remember, it came out like at the dawn of the of the smartphone age, and it was one made by some high school girl where you could point your phone camera at a, at a at water, and it would tell you if it was safe to drink or not. Like, huh. even stuff like that. Like, there's so many cool applications. Would that be based uh, yeah. on color, or that's interesting? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I, I don't know if right, I would trust that. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the thing is, yeah. it's like it's not like perfect it's in it's for emergency situations where yeah. there is sewage backed into your stuff or what or you know like imagine <laughs> a situation like turds. katrina <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. yeah yeah taylor yeah it detects turds <laughs> <laughs> she made a clean water app that the secret behind it is just whether or not there's a turd floating on top <laughs> yeah is there anything floating yeah. right so um getting back on topic a little bit dr argus that's not the theme of this podcast. I, that's true, yeah. Getting back on yeah. topic. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know we've been talking about this for like a week or two, and the whole time it's been like, well, what kind of bullshit rabbit hole are we going to go down? Who knows? <laughs> now we're down to poopy water. <laughs> Floating turds, actually. Yeah. Right. But I was going to ask you, because Rhett and I have this debate, and I think it comes up on other game dev podcasts, but since you're kind of like getting knee deep into AR, are you? do you have a preference... Um, or like, are you more excited about AR or VR or is it just different? They're too different to really like compare at this point for you. They are completely different. Um, VR is super cool. Uh, but it's full immersion, Mm -hmm. right? So you're in there and there's nothing real about it. Whereas with AR, you have the real world and you can integrate, fake stuff into it mixed reality is sort of the next step where the ar stuff will actually understand the world and interact with it so like right now the ar apps that i've made um i can you know drop a tower on my floor right here i think you saw that one too yeah the tower (laughs) video so those towers are cool but they're basically always in front of everything so no matter how close I put my hand to my to my phone, it'll still be behind those towers. Whereas with mixed reality, it will have an understanding and you can go behind it, you can be in front of it. You wow. know, it'll be it'll have a, a a different, you know, understanding of its space. Yeah. And that's part of what Microsoft's doing with the HoloLens and things like that, but it's that's still quite a ways off. Yeah, I was listening to this episode of another podcast called uh, Game Dev Unchained a while back, and one of the guys that they had on there was like an early adopter of the HoloLens, and he was talking about the mm-hmm. possibilities that were out there and how like the HoloLens could not maybe not now, but how cool of an idea would it be for you to have like a two story house or something, and you're able it it's able to render like another player or something in your upstairs bedroom and, mm-hmm. you know and then calculate the distance between you and that ai player or whatever and have them interact and like when they walk you know past a past a certain thing that's blocking yeah. your view it actually show up that way that's like whoa 
I think I think the Hololens can probably already do that uh-huh. because I demoed one at GDC and the first thing it does is map the space. Oh. So if you could walk through your house and map all the spaces, essentially, I think it could probably assemble a map and start putting things wherever it wanted to. That is awesome. God, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow so maybe he was i don't know how it maps the space yeah what it actually is doing but right <laughs> that's what it does that's crazy nice well that's a good segue you just yeah. brought up gdc i, I like it you're welcome <laughs> very natural <laughs> very pro skilled um <laughs> so you're the only guy i know who's ever been to gdc we've talked about it a little bit but do you want to give like your uh your top down view of what you thought of your first gdc yeah, for sure. And thanks for mentioning it was my first yeah. because um, that was um, – I definitely could have done more if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> like there's uh, – so first of all, the bulk of it doesn't really even start until Wednesday, and I was there on Monday. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was some things to do, but had I known that there was going to be so little to do – I could have scheduled meetings or whatever. Right. Um, so that's one of the coolest things about GDC is that most of the people are there to make connections. They want to talk to you. So other game developers, other vendors of, you know, whether software, hardware, whatever it is, they want to take a meeting. And um, there were tons of, of uh, developers and different community members who were like, yeah, totally hit me up and we'll schedule something. And they were very open about it. Um, and I didn't, I didn't do enough of that. (laughs) I wish I would have done more next time. I know better, but, uh, but it was super cool. Um, I got to meet William Shear in person. I don't know if you guys know who that (laughs) is, but he's making manifold garden. Right. And so he's been on Twitch for a while and his games, you know, he's been working on it for a long time, but people are super stoked about it. Looks amazing. He was in, um, Unity had a, uh, like a 3D art contest and his was one of the top, I think 10. So they had a special, um, exhibit just for all of those people. And so it was cool to meet him and see all the other, like really awesome games that are being made. Um, but then when the whole thing starts, it's like nonstop. There are, I don't know, probably at least 10 talks going on simultaneously <laughs> at all times um, from start till end. And, um, and then lots of companies host parties. So I went to the GitHub party. Um, I went to the Unity party. And, you know, these are, again, networking opportunities, opportunities to, uh, you know, being from Oregon, we don't see a lot of companies like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so being in the GitHub space, being in Unity space um, is, you know, it's inspiring. Yeah, that's so cool. So, it, and there's, so I wanted to just real quick, yeah. there's, there's a whole um, floor, I guess. So it takes place in Moscone Center. And so there's a whole wing of that. It's like, multiple buildings over a couple of blocks, but there's a whole wing of it just dedicated to indie games. And so all these devs are there showcasing their, their game and they, um, they set it up so that you could even identify 
where uh, where devs were from by country. Oh, wow. So you could see, oh, here's all the people from Germany, and here's all the people from South Korea, and from, you know, Poland, or Argentina, or whatever. So it was, you know, very international. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you feel like that, that made it more inclusive? Um, or, like... I. Did you see that like yeah, certain I mean, countries weren't getting as much like <laughs> traffic? Well, it's hard for me to know yeah. because I don't know where game dev happens, <laughs> yeah. you know, at any level of concentration. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, like I don't know for a fact that there's a thousand Czech developers who weren't there. You know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, true. I'm not in the loop on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I imagine it just like another cool way to sort of like add flavor to what you're seeing. It's like, oh, like, you know, like th- we kind of talked about this the last few episodes, but there's like a distinctive flavor or tone to like Japanese video game market versus American yeah. game market. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably just another way to like sort of, I don't know, make the layman a little bit more aware. Not that the, like the layman is going to be attending GDC, right. but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but like, so I've said this before, but I just finished Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and I didn't realize that the creators of The Witcher, also the owners of GOG, good old games, are from Poland, Mm -hmm. and they mentioned multiple times in the book how they always just want to feel like they're on the same level as people from the US, so I just thought that was... Which is really interesting because I feel like there's a ton of non-US developers who are awesome <laughs> i agree oh, yeah. yeah like i feel like i feel like i know more of those than i know in the u.s <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. totally yeah so if did you have a favorite panel that you saw or anything like that or presentation i went on a cheap ticket that didn't give me access to that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah um the only things that i could have gotten into were um like sponsored so if a particular company was putting on a talk, I could probably get into it. Oh. Um, and I was able to get into Unity and any of the Unity talks inside of their space. Um, so that was cool. But yeah, I didn't... And I'm not sure if I would have. You know, I'm not... I don't really like to just sit and listen right. too much. Um, had I had a ticket that gave me access to those, I probably would have also had access to the vault. So I would have just watched them later. Mm. Oh, um, gotcha. You know, the videos. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, a lot of the... So there's... GDC is broken into sort of several different tracks. And there's one specific uh, to indie game development. And so it's called the Indie Indie Dev Summit or something like that. And so all of the talks are around the indie game world. Um, and I'm pretty sure all of those are free. Like, I could go watch those now. Oh. And had I paid, those would be the ones I would have went to anyway. <laughs> right. So, right on. It's fine. So, those are probably the ones that are up on, on YouTube then. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Correct. Yeah, which they have so many of those, by the way. If you guys oh, out yeah. there haven't yeah. watched them, go check them out. There's so many good ones. Um, yeah. The GDC Vault, I mean, there's, there's some that you can't get if you didn't pay, but there's a ton that you can get. Gotcha. So, so the one for Unity that was included in whatever pass you got, or did you have to like buy that separately? Nope. It was just for anybody attending. Oh, okay. Basically. Gotcha. Oh, cool. Yeah. Unity, um, their headquarters was only like two blocks away uh, from the main center, and they had a, a whole track of their own stuff going on inside their building. Oh wow. Um, they had several different spaces in there for 
for classes and meetings and different things. That's, That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So who uh, who threw the better party, GitHub or Unity? <laughs> um, that's that's a good question. So they they were very different. Mm. The GitHub party was in GitHub Space, which doesn't uh, doesn't mean anything in the sense that it was an awesome space. <laughs> <laughs> it was huge. It was concrete floor, lots of sort of natural wood pillars and things. Gigantic bar, which I don't really take advantage of, but it was cool because they also had a couple of special mixed drinks that they made that were non-alcoholic. And so I enjoyed those. Nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, but then they have a, um, I think the brand is called Killer Spin ping pong table and killer spins like a pro brand <laughs> and so they've got this pro ping pong, ping pong table there they've got a huge stage um they've got uh for the stage they've got a like probably six foot in the air raised control center for managing whatever's going on the stage um they've got a commercial kitchen like nice. i don't know probably 30 feet long yeah it was an amazing nice. space <laughs> yeah it was incredible. And people work there. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's where they work. Uh, God. Um, and then the Unity Party, which... So, the the GitHub Party was basically, as long as you had a pass for GDC, you could get in. Mm. Unity Party was invitation only. And um, what they do is they... You sign up to say you're interested. And then they tell you, um, like, 7 a.m. on this particular day that's when we're going to let people get a ticket. So if you signed up first to say you're interested, then you could come back after they actually open the sort of the ticket gate and try to get an actual ticket. So it's limited. Yeah. Mm. And so, um, so, but you know, my friend, uh, the guy that I went with, we both got our tickets. So we went there. Um, so that party was completely different. I don't think it was a unity space. It was it was definitely a big sort of event space, three stories, um, and definitely more for a club type scene. Mm. Whereas the GitHub party was more casual, um, so there was some really loud, good music, <laughs> and then the DJ had behind him. He had um, you guys know kind of that that graphic that Unity uses on their homepage. It's like the swooshy colors. Yeah. yeah. The DJ had about 60 feet of that behind him <laughs> moving. So there's there was five projectors mounted to the ceiling that were that were projecting all of that behind him. And so this swooshing color thing was behind him while he's DJing. It was super cool. Nice. That's cool. Um, and then they had great food and again more bars, which I drank Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, I met Quasi there. Nice. I met um, I met Brackies. His name isn't Brackies, yeah. but the guy who does Brackies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, met him there. Um, so yeah, everyone's just super cool. So at that party, because Unity has this new challenge going on with Universal Studios, they had the actual DeLorean there oh. <laughs> from Back to the Future. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, so they had the DeLorean car there, and then they had this like... I don't know, 10, 12 foot high Voltron model. Yes. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. So they went all out pretty uh, much. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. And then I'm walking around saying hi to the Unity CEO, you know, and he's just there. (laughs) That's cool. So, 
Yeah, it's super neat. Wow. And then um, they had this room where they had this, uh, I forget what it's called now, but it's a VR DJ thing. So you, you go into VR and then you DJ with stuff that's that you see within the VR. So you've got turntables and you've got all this like buttons you can push. And then you've got these, the, uh, the VR handles basically work these sticks inside the, inside the world yeah. that you use for rhythm. Mm. So you can hit stuff and you're like, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. So my buddy did that, played some music for a while and got super stoked. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was super cool. Nice. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. So if there was something like if you were going to go next year, like what what would you do different this time around? So I would say to anybody who's going to go to GDC who hasn't been before or needs to learn how to do it better, um, I would say go with some kind of objective and shape your visit around that. So like in my case, if I want to uh, you know, keep pushing the AR thing. I would find people who are also doing AR who are going to be there. And I would set a meeting. If I'm a game dev, I would find, you know, people who I look up to who are going to be there and set a meeting. If I'm looking for a publisher, I'd set a meeting. You get the theme. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So prepare it in in advance and meet as many people as you can. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody is super cool. And um, a lot of people just end up hanging out in the park. Um, Yerba Buena, I think it's park. <laughs> I think it's what it's called. Anyway, um, it's you can't miss it. It's like right there in the middle of everything. And um, so like I saw on Twitter, different studios saying, hey, we're going to be at the park hanging out. Come hang out, you know. And so if that's if you're looking for a, a way to get your game out there or you're looking for some you know, some context, networking, whatever. It's, it's super awesome for that. Um, and of course there's tons of vendors for pretty much everything that you could, you know, ever need to support yeah. game dev or I'm super jealous like of some of that swag you showed me that you had <laughs> oh, yeah. when I met him yeah. in person, he's Lots all rocking a, a unity, uh, hoodie. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. And it says, I don't have it here with me, but, uh, it's in the other room, but it says something on the arm, like, dev team something or other so i went when i went to buy my uh my computer i was at best buy and i was wearing that and the guy in the computer department was super he was like oh do you work for unity (laughs) so he like he he sold me the computer and he gave me like uh expedite shipping for free and all this stuff And I, I told him I didn't work for Unity, but because I'm a dev, he's like, oh, you're super cool. And he's showing me his Bitcoin rig that he's got at home and everything. Oh, so anyway, yeah. the sweatshirt was cool. And then, yeah, it was good. Uh, that's awesome. When I got back, I went to work wearing everything that I had got, uh, which basically was everything but pants. So. You didn't wear pants to work? <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, so do you think you're going to go next year then or, um, you know, I want to have a reason to, um, it's the same thing with TwitchCon. So while I was at GDC, we had a, uh, sort of a Twitch streamer meetup and, um, the, one of the senior, um, sort of developer guys from, from Twitch was there 
And so it was, it was cool to talk to him. And so I came home and I was stoked to go to TwitchCon. So I booked a hotel and everything, but I really want to have a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't like it. You know, you guys know I haven't been streaming a ton lately. So I either need to do that or I need to be doing something with, you know, extension development or whatever for me to feel justified in going. Right. right. And I feel the same way about GDC. GDC is the first type of thing I've gone to like that. I mean, I've gone to, you know, development conferences where you sit and listen to talk to other developers who've done whatever. But GDC was a whole different thing. And um, so to go next time, I want to have a good reason. Yeah. Because it's not cheap. Yeah. Right. I know hotels are probably super expensive and then getting there. Oh, yeah. That's my other tip. If you're going to go to GDC, try to get a hotel ASAP because all of them downtown will be booked. In my case, we got an Airbnb 20 minutes away. So that, I mean, kind of limits you. Yeah. Because a lot of stuff happens in hotel rooms too. Like if you're going to meet with a publisher or distributor of some kind, they might want to meet in their hotel room. If you're going to see demos of, of stuff that people weren't able to get actually into GDC, they might be there in a hotel room. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of super handy to be more local. Right. Have like a headquarters, um, and, you know, nearby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's it's not cheap by any means. You know, I think we saved about a thousand bucks by not having a hotel room downtown. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Yeah. Oh man. So um, you're coming up. We got LD. Yeah. Dari, right? Dari, yeah. The, yeah. Do you, yeah. You're for gonna sure. stream so, that, right? I think. What'd you say, Taylor? I said, you're going to stream that, right? Yeah. So I'll be streaming that. And uh, this is, let's see, this is 2018. I think I did all of them in 2017. And, wow. Um, Heck yeah. So, yeah, this would be my fifth, I guess. I don't know. Something like that. Oh, nice. That's really cool. Yeah. But, it, you know, the nice thing about it is that it's a nice marker of your progression. Like, I know that the first LD I did was terrible. Like the thing that I made <laughs> wasn't playable. It was stupid. And, um, and even the next one after that, because, so the first one I did was like the spring of 2016 and I didn't do another one until spring of 2017. And so in that year I didn't do anything to get better, which is part yeah. of the reason why in 2017 I'm like, no, 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 let's try. <laughs> so, so, you know, from the one in uh, spring of 2017 to the following, I mean, I could definitely see myself getting better and and getting, you know, like the last two, uh, well, the last uh, LD game that I shipped and also I did one for Kenny Jam. Both of those were fun and playable, you know, so. Um, well, I love your kitty game. Yeah. That was probably one of the only ones I've seen of yours, but yeah. you have some of the funniest freaking audio ever. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that, Rhett? No, I don't think I have. It's like, explain your game, your kitty game, because it's so funny. Well, so the theme of the last uh, Ludumdare was something like, too much of a thing becomes a bad thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you can... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway... I forget exactly the wording of it, but anyway, so I had originally thought that somehow I would make a game about love 
Like you can be loved too much. But I wasn't thinking about an animal. I was thinking about a person, right? Like being smothered or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and then somehow I think someone in the stream or I forget who said it, but someone said something about a cat. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be it. Because cats, you know, they want to be kind of loved on their own terms, right? But when you've got a house full of kids that you don't get that privilege. You get to be loved when they want to love you. So the game is you controlling a cat, running around a house, uh, running away from all these like, well, I mean, they don't look demonic, but they sound a bit scary. <laughs> Kids saying, here, kitty, I just want to pet you and stuff oh, like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so great. So, And then you've got a couple of, you got these safe zones. Like if you're standing next to a parent, you're safe, but only for a second because parents can't stand there all day, right? So they take off, and when they do, the kids are back on you. So, yeah, it's a run for your life. That's great. That, like, almost reminds me of, like, amnesia or something where you're just, like, running for your life constantly. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Amnesia so. disguised with cute kitties. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's such a genius idea. I got, I got pretty good feedback on it. The only thing I think people were a bit... Um, maybe unhappy with was that when the when the kids come in contact with the cat it makes you know it makes kind of a sound like a cat would make if it was being hurt and so cat lovers weren't (laughs) loving that (laughs) oh come on that's the that's the feedback they're giving you they're like Uh, i don't like thinking that this cat is getting hurt it's like well play the game better yeah there were there it was mostly in streams where uh i had like i don't know probably half a dozen streamers play it and then people in the chat would say, oh, you know, I don't really like the cat sound or whatever. I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a soft spot for, in my heart for, like, for dogs. And whenever I play uh, a game where you have to hurt a dog, even if it's like a possessed dog, yeah. like in Divinity 2 or Original Sin 2, there, the last time I played, we had to fight this, like, group of people that had guard dogs. Mm. And you hit them and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. like, noise. Oh, yeah, poor pupper. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that, uh, but, but yeah. for cats. But it was only, I think there's, I think I had two or three wave files for the cat sounds, and only one of them really sounded like hurtful, you know. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of hisses and this and that don't don't sound so bad. Yeah, that's something I'm gonna have to figure out um, as I progress with my game, figuring out how to do all the sound effects. Like I pulled up uh, BFXR the other day which is pretty cool. I, I had never used it. And it's like super, or it's really simple interface that you can like, you can do a lot with, but then there's certain things you just can't avoid uh, getting like the real sound, you know, do some field recording, whatever. But I don't oh, before know. Before we forget. Yeah. My game's at drargus.itch.io. Nice. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we were definitely going to make sure we got that from you. And we'll, uh, yeah. We will link that too in the show notes, so hopefully people Sweet. can just click on it. Yeah. So outside of game dev, what uh, what's like? What are you excited about? Are you playing any, what, any games this, or where's this place you're talking about? Outside. Oh. Of- oh. <laughs> uh oh. Nice. Taylor just Taylor just showed his weakness. Yeah. Dude, what now? <laughs> he has other hobbies. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, but I'm trying. <laughs> well, uh, so I. 
I don't know. I'm kind of a nerd. I do a lot of side projects and stuff like that. But if I have to get away from the computer, it's usually with my wife when we go hiking, hitting up waterfalls and stuff like that. A couple of years ago, I think we got, um, well, she got 100 hikes in one year. Oh, nice. Uh, and I was there for probably 80 of them. So, wow. That's and most crazy. of those were waterfalls. Yeah. Oregon has a lot of them. So. Yeah. Tons. Yeah. I know. I great. love going to other places in the world and they're like, waterfall tour it's gonna blow your mind and <laughs> and we're like really is it worth it And they're like absolutely and they're like look where are you from it's like oregon and they're like never mind you can skip this one right. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah uh, <laughs> we've got a lot yeah so so that's you- that and yeah otherwise i just work and game dev and what do you, you know. do to like I, I I always use the the metaphor like charge your tanks right like because you're doing dev work or whatever it might be like what do you do to I guess inspire yourself or do, are you just constantly filled up you're just like eh I don't need a <laughs> no I think you know for me the charging comes from outdoors you mm-hmm. know being out there we go to the coast a lot that's kind of my uh, I don't know that's kind of where I feel like I belong. Yeah. You know, when I'm at the ocean. And so that's probably how I recharge more than anything. Get away that's from great. all the screens. <laughs> yeah. And when I, uh, when I've just like had enough and I just need to veg, I play World of Warcraft. Oh, <laughs> nice. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. What, what type of character do you play as in, in WoW? I, I have all of them. All of them. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, so I I just it depends. Like if I go into a real bender and I play all weekend, I'll probably play two or three different ones. Nice. Last time I legitimately played World of Warcraft, honestly, was vanilla. And it was I played uh the night of launch and there were so many problems. Oh, yeah. You yeah. couldn't pick up <laughs> items. Like yeah. you would just go grind out in the woods. And they would drop loot, couldn't pick any of it up. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and that went on for like 48 hours. And I played for like four weeks. And that was like, that was like my experience with it, other than just like getting into it every once in a while when friends wanted to play. I got a mm-hmm. buddy right now. He's constantly trying to get me in to go into his RP servers and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I play on an RP server, but almost yes. nobody RPs. So it doesn't That's really matter. That's the way to do it in my mind. It's more fun. It- it's fun, and um, I don't know if they still have this, but originally the RP servers had naming restrictions. Yes, so they you know, still like do. On a, on a PvP server, you could name yourself, you know, my name is Dildo or whatever, <laughs> and it's fine, and nobody cares. But on an RP server, they don't let you do that. Yeah, you got to get. Yeah, into they don't character. let you do numbers. They don't let you have swear words. They don't have, let yeah. you have special characters or any of that type of stuff. Yeah, which I like. I mean, yeah. I played on a PvP server for a little while as a rogue, and it was just a bunch of stupid people. <laughs> yeah, they, well, in my opinion, they like ruined the game. And people in RP servers are, are way more helpful and friendly. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And it's like you go into the PvP, or you go to the other servers, and everybody's just like, <laughs> just douchebags. <laughs> yeah, because totally. they're all like fourteen-year-old totally. kids. Yeah, exactly. Well, what's the number one thing you learn on the internet? People suck, man. Yeah, yeah people sure. are disappointing. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Totally. Especially when they ha- have anonymity. So yeah, uh, yeah. But... Any sort of any sort of competitive game is on par with the YouTube comments. Oh, oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's toxic. Yeah. 
Oh, that's uh, great. I did not have you pegged as playing World of Warcraft, but if there's something I should have learned about WoW by now is that it does not restrict itself to a certain type of person, so... Nope. Not at all. Uh, is WoW, like, your top top game you've ever played, or just your current fix? Um, probably. Really? Yeah, I mean, I've played a lot of um, RPG games and, and stuff like that, but I don't know. I always come back to WoW. I, you know, I like the size of the world. I like yeah. the different. There's really kind of something for everyone. You know, if you're really into crafting, you can go deep on that. If you're really into RP, you can do that. If you're really into, you know, there's all these different things. And so, um, if you if you're uh, like, they have a pet system. You can collect like a hundred pets. You know, <laughs> it's so. There's lots of different things, but for me, the games that I've most enjoyed over the years are the ones that I can get in and kind of just spend some time and get out without mm-hmm. feeling like it owned me, you know? <laughs> so I would say that um, Counter-Strike and Team Fortress were were close behind for that exact reason. Right. I could jump in, mm. shoot some people in the head and go, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah I well, you're very found... special because i totally feel like those games own me so yeah. <laughs> yeah. i can't even look at them without like getting my palms all sweaty oh yeah that's because you got to keep playing when you're on that losing streak you got to hit that w oh yeah. god yeah well, you can't... and then one w is not good enough it's got to be two yeah well, i think that's part of the reason why i can do it because i you know i'm old i don't care about that yeah i just want to enjoy myself yeah right I, you know, I did, um, this is, gosh, 2000, when did WoW come out? 2004. So probably yeah. 2006, 2007, somewhere in there, maybe earlier. It came I in had, like, yeah. yeah. I had a pretty competitive hunter that I PVP'd with at level 19. And I would never go past level 19 because <laughs> that was the sweet spot. <laughs> and so I would get in and I would PVP with that guy and win a lot but if i didn't eh i just quit and go do something else yeah. you know nice. i don't i don't uh i don't get hung up on that stuff and my life experience over the last few years has helped me with that even more yeah you gotta let go you gotta well, that's let like go. such a that's such a good trade i think for a dev to have anyways you know yeah. it's there's something about just being too obsessive about yep. whatever it might be that just doesn't translate into getting stuff done it's hard yeah well the reality with yeah yeah, i was just gonna say the reality with with video games is that it really doesn't matter (laughs) like yeah on the dev side on the dev side it does matter to some extent like if you need if you're being a perfectionist about something it's typically i would say for good reason you want things to look a certain way or you want your code to behave a certain way it's not doing it so there's an actual like benefit to the outcome but in yeah like we used to play a lot of Dota. What does it really matter if if, if your MMR is twenty points lower than someone you're playing with? It doesn't right. matter at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, I have to say I hate League of Legends and Dota. Those <laughs> games I cannot do. But um, I was going to say that one of the things that we see in the community, uh, you know, in the GDQ community especially, is we have what feels like some younger people mm-hmm. who don't have a ton of experience who are coming in and they want to be a dev and they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves to be good 
fast. Yeah. And you can't really be a dev and be good fast. Yeah. It's just yeah. not a thing. It just takes practice. And so you have to be willing to make crap because that's what you're going to make at first. That's just the it. It's yep. all it's gonna mm-hmm. I mean, you might make a game entirely on the canvas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bird. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of an inside joke but i was i was streaming this one time it was for a crass jam when i made uh what was it friends in a box under a clock (laughs) stupidest game ever and all you do is you click your little character and drag him underneath this timer and dr argus hopped in my stream and he realized that I was making the entire game on the <laughs> Unity canvas, and he teased me so hard. I almost felt like quitting right then and there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then you figured it out. I know. Then I did, and everything works. Some days I'm tempted to go back to that. I'm like, you know what? I'm only going to be a <laughs> Unity canvas dev. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's things like that. And so, you know... I try to be encouraging to the to the folks who are in the um, in the community when they when it feels to me like they're they're struggling with well I don't know what to learn and I don't know where to start and all this stuff and it's just you got to take the pressure off you just yeah. got to start you know my, when I first got my computer at twelve or thirteen or whatever I didn't have a freaking clue there was no internet <laughs> there was no nothing right I had to go buy a book on basic. That wasn't even a version of basic my computer ran and figure it out, <laughs> right? So it's just, just do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, and that's that's what I always try to tell people when they're interested in, in like getting into game dev. It's like, well, look, we got a community for this. It's called Game Devs Quest. Come over to the Discord. Listen to the podcast. Like yeah. At least like the first half of our episodes of our podcast are pretty like good roadmap for somebody who has no clue, right? Yeah. And then they're like, well... Like, what about games that you guys are making and stuff? And it's like, look, here's our first game we made. In yeah. fact, it's not even a game. Calling right. it a game is very generous. It's a 15-minute-long yeah. animation. The game the, the <laughs> game aspect of it is whether or not you turn it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's just, just, yeah, it's just all about getting going and not worrying about it. So Yeah. Make trash and know you're going to make trash. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> But that I, that's what we set out to do at least was uh get people get people going. I mean, at this point we have a lot of people in there of varying skills, but it's like crazy seeing what some of these people make. Like the other day, oh, I don't yeah. remember exactly who it was. They were using whatever it is before Unreal Unreal Engine. Oh yeah. Uh, and like the level that this guy made was like insane. I was like, dude, that looks like something I would play in like you know skyrim or something like that was crazy so it's just really cool having this this place where people are sharing all the stuff they're doing and like learning from one another totally so i appreciate you helping people out especially like obviously you're full of wisdom you freaking had to you wrote basic for god's sake i don't even know what that looks like (laughs) yeah dude it was it was uh i i really loved it when i was in high school I had, like I said, I I bought magazines for pretty much every computer there was, even though I didn't own any of them. (laughs) And I would look at their code and try to figure out how to make their code work on my computer. Oh, nice. One time I went into my math class, my math teacher, trigonometry, he had an Apple II something in his class. And I had a magazine that was probably for a Commodore. And and it had all these cool... um, 
it had some code in there that drew all these cool mathematical, uh, basically visualizing formulas on the screen. So okay. it would draw all these cool shapes based on input to formulas. And I'm like, I want to try to do this on our computer in the classroom. He's like, yeah, you're not going to be able to do that. It's for a different <laughs> computer. Challenge accepted. <laughs> right. So, so I spent my lunch punching it in and, you know, like the way you draw a line on a Commodore, it's not the same way you draw a line on an Apple. Even though they're both talking basic, it's different. And I figured it out. And, you know, one class came around, he like, told everybody look what jason did and he gave me props so it was cool but that's how i've always been i experiment you know this ar stuff i just love to hack at it and see what happens yeah and that's so great that's what so if i have any wisdom at all it's the it's from that you know and that's if i offer any advice it's based on that not because i'm super genius guy i don't know hardly anything about unity when it comes down to it but i'm also not afraid to try to do stuff and so um, you know, there's a ton of the Unity API that I don't have a clue about, but um, but I will experiment with it, and yeah. I'll Google the heck out of stuff, <laughs> and I'll figure it out. Yeah, and that's the kind of attitude you have to have to be successful as any kind of developer. To be frank, mm-hmm. games or otherwise, you know, right. you just have to be unafraid to just try and see what happens. You can always improve. That's great. Well, you kind of just touched on it. You know, you're talking about if you had advice to give to anybody. But one of the things that I wanted to ask before, because we're kind of we're kind of getting up to the top of our time here. So one of the things I was curious of, as somebody who started, you know, well before a lot of other people, like especially like in our community and stuff like that, have started. Like, I'm curious what type of, I guess, like learning resources or something like that that you would find beneficial. Like, let's say somebody is, is is trying to get started now. And it's like, you know, you've got decades of experience and all this sort of stuff. So it's like, I, I imagine that you don't really need to go and, and uh, dust off the library card and get out the textbook on the latest, whatever, every single right. time. But, you know, if you had a resource or a, whether it's a book or whether it's a website or a video or something like that, that you think would be great for somebody who's, getting their toes wet what might that be you know i really feel like well my experience is mostly limited to unity as far as game dev goes anyway and so if you're talking about game dev i really do often point people to their tutorials because unity has put a lot of effort into their tutorials and um you know some of them are getting aged they're for versions that aren't really supported but Actually, I like that. I like that at somewhere in there, they changed the way you manage scenes and you have to figure <laughs> it out. Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, I like that challenge personally. And so I often point people to those resources because they're free for starters. Right. Great. Um, and then, you know, these days, there's so many courses that you can get access to for pretty low cost. But, um, you know, I think... It's hard to say for sure what the one resource is because so many people come at it with this concept of they're going to build the next wow or they're going to build the next some other big thing, right? Yeah. And they need to back up a step and say, okay, I don't know how to build wow, but can I make a character selection screen, right? Can I make a piece? I just want to make a piece of it. 
Um, can I make, uh, you know, basic combat? Or can I just make a guy run around on the screen? You know, they have to start with something small. Otherwise, you will not finish it. Right. You will be overwhelmed. You'll get bogged down in a bunch of junk that doesn't matter. And then you'll never finish it. So, you know, really, step one is choose a small thing. And if you don't know what to choose, do one of those tutorials because they'll have you build a small thing that'll be playable. And you'll get some confidence and you'll learn a few things. But I did a few Unity tutorials also, and or back in the day, and I still had to go back and look at that code because I didn't learn it the first time, you know, and that's okay too. So Absolutely. start there, start with a small thing, build one of those tutorials, and just take the next step. Awesome. Great. Yep. Baby steps. Well, Dr. Argus, I uh, I can't say how much we appreciate you coming on, especially with our like schedule mix-up we had earlier today. <laughs> no, nah, it's cool. Yeah, thanks for being um, Is there anything that you want to plug? Social media, like where they can find your work? You know, any sure. any yeah. links at all? Go ahead and just throw them all out. Sure. So most uh, of the people in the community know my name is Jason. And so I'm that one Jason on Twitter. Um, I'm Dr. Argus on itch. Um, let's see what else is there. I think I am. I am that one Jason on Instagram. <laughs> um, I can't think of what else there would be. So cool. Yeah, I don't, oh, I don't do a ton of, uh, social stuff. But no, that's absolutely <laughs> all right, to, man. Feel free to follow me. Oh, what about yeah. Twitch? Oh yeah, on Twitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Argus on Twitch also. Yeah. So definitely and we'll be sure to uh, dig up some links for all of this and, and embed it into our, our show notes and all that sort of stuff Excellent. so people ca- have easy of ease of access. And and then if there's anything specific as well that you want us to tag into the show notes uh, before we air this episode, just you can direct message me or Taylor and we'll make sure it gets in there and all that sort sure, of stuff. So. That's cool. Awesome, guys. Well, this was really fun. We're going to have to do it again. Yeah. Um, Love being here. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Can't thank you enough. Team Oregon all the way. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. Good old boys. Awesome, man. Well, I don't know. I was tempted to end on a a joke note about don't go chasing waterfalls or something, but I don't know. Well, (laughs) I don't know how that would work. (laughs) The only way you could really do it right is if if you said, don't go Jason Waterfalls. Oh, oh that's even better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's great. All right. Nice. I think that's the note we end on right there. And so. it's a wrap. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dr. Argus. We appreciate it. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Cute ad music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>